Glory to God. I'm very loud now. Yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory, glory, glory to God. We have. Man, we've got some people not here this morning. <laughs> you know the enemy never wants people in church so please 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 be praying for, for people through the week um, there's some ill with um, various um, complaints and, and other things so just uh, yeah just be praying hallelujah let's pray right now hallelujah Lord Lord, you said to, uh, that we were to gather together. Um, Lord, not forsake the gathering of ourselves together. And Lord, the enemy heard that and he doesn't want us to gather together. So, Father, we just, uh, we just rebuke any work of the enemy. Anything that uh, the enemy might try and bring across people's paths to um, keep them from um, being united in one in you. Lord, we just rebuke that right now. And Father, we pray for those who have various illnesses. Uh, Lord, your word says that we could pray. And with the authority that you give us, we can command those things to be gone. So Father, we just pray into the lives of those who are, are, are afflicted by different illnesses uh, right now. And say, by your Holy Spirit, let your presence be with them right now. Lord, and let those things be gone. In Jesus' name, hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, um, this morning we've got a couple of visitors visiting with us, been ministering down in Melbourne and heading north um, this afternoon, I believe, this afternoon. So um, Jeff and Annette, um, welcome and uh, um, Lord bless you in all that you do. Um, Jeff and Annette have. Um, how long have you been ministering, you two? Oh, just 53 years of ministry in the kingdom. <laughs> um, uh, ministry in Indonesia, how long? 49 years in Indonesia. Wow. Um, so, yeah. And is um, up north, is that a, a, a holiday break or more ministry? <laughs> that was a silly question, wasn't it? <laughs> Glory to God. Now, um, we actually have a, a book on um, our shelves over there. We've got a number of copies um, uh, written by Jeff and uh, it's called New Wine. And that's really, um, really quite topical um, considering where we as a church uh, are heading as, as far as um, our desire uh, to see the fivefold in, in operation. So um, please, um, if you haven't read uh, this book, it's a, it is a, um, it's a tremendous um, background uh, into, uh, into some of those elements and um, I would highly recommend you, um, you read it if you haven't already. So, this morning, glory to God. 
Now, last week, um, I spoke on the necessity of, of humility. Um, and necessity is something that's it's not an optional. It's not an optional extra. It's something that has to be there. And in our Christian walk, um, humility has to be front and centre. And with the operation of the of fivefold ministry, that has to be so pivotal uh, in the operation because it's it's ministries deferring to one another, the different gifts deferring to one another, according to um, what's required uh, at the time, and the moving of the Holy Spirit. So there's no room for 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 pride. There's no room for for elements of you know. Um, who's the greatest in the kingdom? <laughs> that's, just, that's just not there. It can't be there. If that's there, the operation of the, of the gifts as the Holy Spirit would have them operate can't function. So we talked about pride and, uh, and the other elements of, of what humility is not. It's, and, and it's often easier to say what something is by really focusing in on what it's not. So humility is neither having pride or indulging in self-depreciation. Those things can't be there if, if you're walking in, uh, in humility. So this morning I want to um, look at another necessity and it is the necessity of repentance. The necessity of repentance. <laughs> so... Who's sitting here this morning uh, would say that you are a creature of habit? Any hands? Okay, great, good. I'm talking to the right people. <laughs> we all are. We are creatures of habit. I think that's um, it's it's a it's a it's a human characteristic. Much of what we do. On a daily basis, we do subconsciously. Um, now, when we're learning things, that's, that's, that's different. When we're learning things, there's a great focus um, of our attention on, on whatever that thing is. But once we've got it, we tend to just sort of park that and, and, and just go through other things. And, and I suppose there is, a, there is an element of, of necessity in that. Because if you had to give conscious thought to everything that you do through the day, that doesn't leave a lot of time for, for anything, um, anything new. But um, how, about, um, how about driving? Let's consider driving. How many people have ever got to a destination, somewhere where they've gone often, and you've got to the destination and you just can't remember a thing about that trip? Yeah, yeah, we do it, don't we? Because you've had your mind on something else and, and the, the whole driving thing is just so automatic. And sometimes, you know, I'll, be, um, I'll need to be going somewhere that takes a little bit of a variation and you miss the, you miss the turn off because you're so used to that path that you're going to. And I often say to Coral, oh, sorry, I was just on autopilot. You know, we, 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 just, we just do that. So how many routines do we have that require no thought? There's lots of them. Lots of things that we do that just require no 
conscious thought. We just do it. We just do it because we've done it so many times. So can church or our relationship with God, can that be something similar? can for a lot. It can. We can slip into this is the way that we do things because this is the way that we've always done it. This is the way I got taught, so this is what we do. Now, I remember when I was um, uh, in the, um, when I was young, growing up in the um, Anglican church, and, and at that time, you know, you'd, um, little babies would get a sprinkle, and that was infant baptism. Great idea, not scriptural, but never mind. Um, and when you got to 12, you'd, you'd have a confirmation, you know, and you have to do these classes. And, and, and uh, I was doing these classes with the, 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 the minister of the church, and, and I had some questions because, you know, in the Anglican church, you've got candles. And, uh, and I'd been to another church, and they didn't have candles. So I, I asked the question, um, why, do we, why do we have candles in our, in our church? And he said, oh, that's to represent the Holy Spirit. And in my, you know, 11, 12-year-old mind, I had the thought, uh, and I asked the question, is, is that because the Holy Spirit's not here? Um, it wasn't received well. My thinking was, if there's a representation of something by something, that means that it's representing something that's not there. So anyway, but um, but you know how much how much stuff in the church world, and, and and you know that's that's traditional churches, I know, but how much stuff in the Pentecostal world is just because we do that because that's what we do. It's just autopilot. It's just on. That's the way we go. I'm going to read a, a um, part of a, a, a parable, and um, it's this parable is in Matthew chapter nine, Mark chapter two, and Luke chapter five. So we know it's it's you know it's um, it's an important one, and uh, as they all are. But in Matthew um, chapter nine, if you'd like to turn there, please, Matthew chapter nine. And at this point, um, Jesus was challenged on why his, um, his disciples weren't, weren't fasting. And, and he had an answer for that. But as part of, part of, um, part of his answer, he, he went on to talk about, um, or use a parable. And um, just in verse 17, I want to focus on this part. Verse 17, this is from the Passion Translation. He says, Jesus said, who would pour fresh new wine into an old wineskin? Eventually, the wine will ferment and make the wineskin burst, losing everything. The wine is spilled and the wineskin ruined. Instead, new wine is always poured into a new wineskin so that both are preserved. Now, in, in those times, the the very different to winemaking that is today, you know, there's no huge stainless steel vats. They they poured the the, the wine, the, the 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 crushed grapes into a wine skin, literally a skin. And it was soft and it was supple. 
And because it was soft and as supple, when the, when the wine um, fermented and obviously you know, bubbles and, and pressure, um, uh, the, the wine skin was able to expand. But the new wine, to me, speaks of the fresh revelation from God. And, you know, we never want to get to a point where we say, okay, I, I, I know that, and, you know, that's, I can just park that revelation and, you know, put that one in the subconscious and move on to something else because God will continue to develop those all areas in in our lives, and um, you know we get that picture in the uh, in heaven of of uh, the throne, and and as the multitude comes around um, to the front of the throne, they just fall down face flat because there's something new, there's there's something that is so glorious that that it's just overwhelming, and um, and that's. That's to, to me. It's the the new wine is that is that fresh revelation. It's the it's the new thing in our experience in God. And it's not like you know we're always after something. You know we're always after the the new thing. You know what's the what's the what's the latest thing? It's not what it is. If it's from God, God wants to impart, continue to impart revelation of who He is, and that will be new in our experience. And it's the next step, the new wine, it's the next step bringing us closer to God and being in the will of God. And all those things are vitally, vitally important. What about the wineskin? Well, the wineskin is us. Or you could say more broadly the church. Because we're the ones that are to contain... <laughs> That's probably not a good word <laughs> because it's supposed to sound, supposed to come out of us. But um, we're the ones that we are the temple of the Holy Ghost. We are the ones that God is sowing Himself into. So if there's a rigid structure, and I'm talking about our 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 thinking, or rigid structure in in the in the church then there's going to be conflict. There's going to be things that do not work as God designed them to work. Jesus said, I will build my church, which is exactly what he's doing. We, our job is to cooperate in the, in the building according to the pattern that God has laid down. Glory to God. So as that new wine ferments, and expands, it will create pressure. So the initial, when we initially receive something, a new experience, a revelation from God, it is often very exciting. It's very invigorating. It's very, wow, God, I didn't know you had this for me. This is so good. It might be in the area of, of, of deliverance. It might, all, all, all manner of, of, of things that we get can be set free from and need to be set free from. Um, those things are, are absolutely amazing. But you know we get tested on what we receive from God. When we receive a revelation from God, it's going to be tested because the enemy doesn't want you free. The enemy doesn't want you well. The enemy doesn't want you 
um, operating in what God has put within you. He doesn't want that to happen. But, you know, um, uh, in, uh, in Genesis, uh, when, when uh, Joseph went through the things that he went through, and, you, and, and, you know, we're not going there now, but it just says that the word of God tried Joseph. The word, the revelation that he received was tried in his life. It was a testing that came from what he had received. So as that new wine, as that new experience, um, uh, uh, as we receive it, we've got to understand that there is going to be opposition to what we receive in God. It, it is a, it, it's a given. And then... There's going to be, and there's a potential for conflict between the old and the new. It's always conflict between the old and the new. I want to read that. Um, I want to read that um, parable out of um, Luke as well. Uh, it is Luke uh, chapter five. And it's verse 37. Jesus says, Who pours new wine into an old wineskin? If someone did, the old wineskin would burst and the new wine would be lost. New wine must always be poured into new wineskins. Yet you say the old ways are better and you refuse to even taste the new thing that I bring. So Jesus was speaking to the, to the Jewish nation and he was bringing a, a revelation from, from God, a fresh revelation from God he was, uh, that the Old Testament had spoken through all the way through. He was the fulfillment of all those prophecies. He was the one to come and save. And yet they didn't want it. They didn't want to go there. They wanted that, no, going to stay with the old. So sometimes the pressure comes from the outside. And um, some of you will remember back to Rodney Howard Brown days and, uh, and the, the, you know, the meetings that um, we went to in Melbourne and then Sydney and, and um, what was brought back into the church as far as, as um, that, uh, the effect of that, that ministry. And... Boy, was there opposition. There was huge opposition. And it was from the church, um, more broadly. And it was, it was full on. It was, it was you know, I had, um, <laughs> after a particular um, thing that had happened where the spirit moved, there was a moving of the spirit. I I had a we was at we was at school and and um, I had a class and I had a another minister from from the church who had a bit to do with the with the school. Walk I've, I'm sitting in front of the class. I've got the kids in front of me. There's windows at the back, and uh, I see this um, this gentleman sort of storming across the back, and he looked at me and he said. Oh, he didn't say anything. He just went and then kept walking. Minister of the gospel. 
there's a bit of pressure, there's a bit of conflict there. Because it was something new that some people just didn't want. Didn't want it at all. But you know, sometimes there's pressure that comes from within. The pressure is actually internal. It's, it's within us. And that's where repentance comes in. That's where there's the necessity for repentance. So, what, what is our concept of repentance? <laughs> I, I could ask around the room and I might get many different answers. And for a lot of, lot of people, it's, it's okay, well, that's, um, that's when we get saved. And, you know, there's, sometimes there's tears and, and all, all the rest, and, and, and that's our repentance. Well, yes, that's, there, there is an element there, absolutely. Um, you, you cannot come to the, to the Father through Jesus without repentance. Not going to happen. <laughs> but I looked up. Uh, a couple of those um, words um, in the Greek. And repentance is a compunction for guilt. And, and, and I, I like doing the, the word, um, you know, the, the definitions, because I, I find words that I've never used before. If you want to um, see how many words we've lost in the English language, just grab a, a, um, a book of any description from the early 1800s and read it. And you will find many words that you think, well, I've never heard that word. Oop, I've never heard that word. We've got so many words that we've lost. That compunction, good word. It's a feeling that, that prevents or follows the doing of something bad. Might have something to do with our conscience in there. Compunction for guilt reformation, so this is repentance, reformation or a reversal. And we know repentance has that element where we're walking in a direction, if we're repenting, we take an about face and go in another direction. The word repent, and there are different words that uh, we have um, listed as repent, but uh, this one most often one of the simplest parts of the definition is to think differently. To, to repent is to think differently. Changed thoughts lead to changed actions. Changed thoughts lead to changed actions. All right, so you're going to have to bear with me. Um, I haven't had a golf example in church for a very, very long time. What was that? I think, it, I think it's more than 12 months and it could be two years. However, but however, I did have a good round yesterday. So Now, when you're, when you're learning how to play golf, it's important that you learn technique and you learn it correctly, okay? So the only part of you that is connected with the club is your hands. So you've got to have a correct grip, all right? So if you're a right-hander, um, take it in your fingers, 
on the pad of your hand. Um, your thumb is not right on the top of the club, but just to the just to the uh, to the left. Oh, sorry, the right as I'm looking at it. All right, and there's a little V that should point up to that shoulder. Then you take these fingers and you put them underneath and just wrap your hand around so that you can't see your thumb. All right, and then there's another little V that should also point to that shoulder. So if you've got the if you've got the correct grip, then you can work on on then work on other other parts of your other parts of your swing and and that's all all good. Now I've played golf with with people who don't have a correct grip. Okay, so they pick up a golf club and often they bring this hand and they bring it round here, right round here. Okay, now you think, oh, that's not that's not hugely different that to that. Oh yes, it is. If you've got the correct grip, then there are certain positions that you, you need to get into that, that will just flow. You, you learn those positions and, and you'll get a result. And all golf swings, all professional golfers, their, their golf swings look a little bit different, but there are elements in their golf swing, they all get into those same positions. All right? If you've got a grip that is not correct, if you've got the grip that's not correct, you will not be able to get into those other positions. You've got to make adjustments all the way through your swing. Okay? Now, do people play golf with an incorrect grip and a funny-looking swing? Absolutely. See it every weekend. <laughs> but, but if you're not shown the proper technique, if, 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 that, if that element isn't there then you'll be able to play the game but you'll and you will improve to some extent with practice but you will never be very good at that game you will never get to a a a level of of proficiency that's that's you know reasonably high you might have a lot of fun um, go for a good long walk that's very important golf's called the game of life you know that's because um, you know Quinny loves playing playing golf. He's two and a half, and we've got a gentleman out at the um, out at the golf club. He'll be 88 um, this year, and he walks the course. And he's still you know he still gets round in uh, high 70s, low 80s score every time. So he he, he shoots below his age every weekend. Um, and you know it's a 7k walk. It's it's good. Am I am I convincing anybody? No, okay. <laughs> and you think, well, why don't people grip the club correctly? Well, sometimes it's because they haven't been shown. And sometimes it's because that feels uncomfortable. Now, you do it often enough and it will, will feel very comfortable. But initially... People think, oh, no, that, that feels more comfortable. And they go with what's comfortable. They go with what's comfortable. And because of that, as I've already said, they, there's, there's, you'll get to a level, but you, you will never get to a, a, a significantly um, good level. So what God's put in his word regarding the, the structure 
a nature of the, of the church, how he's going to build it, is pivotally important. It's like the grip in the golf swing. If it's not founded, if, it's not, if we're not joined correctly according to the pattern that God has put in his word for the, for the church, we can do church, but there's a, there's a ceiling. There's, there's, a, there's no possibility of that church and members within being able to get to the, to the level or the, um, the place that God wants to take his body to. Always be a ceiling. Now, if you've learnt incorrectly, if you've been self-taught and, and never had a, a lesson and, and all that sort of thing, some people do that. They'll, 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 they'll start playing golf and they'll, they'll go for a number of years and they'll think, oh, I can't get any better than this. I, I need to have a, a lesson or they'll be convinced that they should have a lesson. And it can be really difficult at that point to change to change your technique, to change that grip, to, to get into the positions that you need to to get a good result consistently. And it's a bit like that with the, with the church, and it can be like that with us individually. Look, I've done this this way for so long, um, and I can, yep, that's, that's what we do. That's, what, that's just how it is. And, you know, sometimes because... God is asking for change, there is that resistance. And once again, humility and repentance are vitally important with what God wants to do within us. So with that, with the with the wineskin, you know, um, Jesus said you you have to put new wine into new wineskins for both to be able to to um, to coexist, if you like, to, for what's being put in to be able to, to come to its fruition, to be able to um, uh, bubble and ferment and, 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 and come to the point where it's, it's good tasting wine. So you might say, well, you know, I've, I've, I've been in church or I've been a Christian for so many years and, and um, does that make me an old wineskin? Because I'm a, you know, I'm an older Christian or, or whatever. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. So humility and repentance, working in our lives consistently, keeps us soft before God. It makes us the, a soft wineskin, able to receive new revelation from God and not buck against it. Those elements, absolutely, what do I say? It's the necessity of it. They are necessary. They have to be there. They have to be elements of our life that we cultivate. Soaking in his presence is a really good way of keeping soft before him. So we get opportunities in worship when we're together. But, you know, there should be opportunities, there should be time that we, we spend, bef- spend before the Lord ourselves 
in worship, in just adoring who he is, in just sitting in his presence. You know, we live in a world that is, is, is so noisy. It is so busy. It is, and uh, the enemy's designed it that way, that every point is taken up with noise and, and stimulation and, you know, screens and all manner of things. I, I, I feel for the kids <laughs> because, you know, the kids are being brought up with screens all the time. And, you know, I, I see people down the street, I might have said this a number of weeks ago, you see young people down the street and they'll be walking and, you know, they've either got their things in their ears or the sound counselling headphones on and, you know, stuff's going in or walking along with their phone. <laughs> That's why they put the coloured lights on the crossings now. <laughs> so, so because people are looking down and not looking at the little green man or the little red man. Our lives are filled with so much noise, so much distraction. But, you know, giving God time for him to be able to speak to us because we're silent before him and we're having our heart of worship before him, that keeps us in that soft place. That's, that's softening our wineskin. It's softening our heart before him so that when he wants to impart, and he does want to impart, um, new revelation, we're able to receive it. We're not hard. So soaking in his presence and being open to revelation and direction from the Holy Spirit will keep our wine skin soft. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, we, we know that scripture very well. This is out of the Passion Translation. Uh, <clears throat> verse 2. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you. Stop it. But be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. Repent to think differently. Repentance, it's a reformation. A reformation. But be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. That's repentance in work, in, in operation. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. Hallelujah. So humility has to be there. Has to be in operation. We have to be conscious of the things that we say, of the things that we think. We actually have to think about what we're thinking about and not just go on autopilot. And repentance. Repentance. It's, you know, it's different things at different times. But that continual repentance is 
the desire, the the um, you say the ability, no. Lost for a word. <laughs> the want is pretty good. Of changing how we think. And I suppose that's that's the humility in, in saying, oh, look, I might have been wrong in my thought in that area and I am open to what you want to say to me, Lord, in that. You know, we can we can get so hard on on um, on different, you know, centre around so firmly on on um, different doctrinal um, things that God looks down and 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 say, well, "What are you spending all your time thinking about that for?" It's it's actually <laughs> it's actually not um, not in in. Uh, not on my priority list. And if it's not on God's priority list, it shouldn't be on ours. Oh, glory to God. So, I hope um, repentance, the idea of it, is, um, is maybe a little bit, uh, a little bit fuller. It's, it's not always what we think, but it's something that has to be continually in operation. And um, and it is the the um, the laying down of our will to 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 be soft enough before God to allow Him to impart the new thing that He's doing. Hallelujah! Glory to God! I pray, Heavenly Father, Lord, we we just so uh, we just so thank you, Lord. We thank you that um, you've put within your Word. All that is required, everything that is required for us to be a part of what you said you are coming back for, that church without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. Lord, a perfect church for your son, Jesus Christ. So, Father, help us in those times where we are just working from our subconscious Lord, let us be open to the to this to your word to us. It's speaking uh, that still small voice where you challenge us in those areas of of that rigidity of our our thinking. Lord, that we might be soft before you. Lord, that you might be able to pour in your new wine and that we would be able to receive it. And Lord, through that you build your church according to the pattern that you have laid down for us to follow. So, Father, we thank you for it. And, Lord, we just give you all the glory because you said that you would build your church. And it's our part, Lord, to cooperate and just to humbly submit ourselves to you and allow you to do that work within us. So, Lord, we thank you for it. We know that you're going to do it because you've said it. And, Lord, we just want to be a part of it. Hallelujah. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Just, um, just a, another reminder, um, if you haven't read um, that book, it uh, will give you good background into, um, into the fivefold and, and elements of, of where we're heading and uh, what, we're, what we're desiring to see in operation. Um, in the church. Hallelujah.
looks like we've got a new member in the church this morning. <laughs> so cute. Yes, Nellie. Um, there's a word that keeps coming up, destiny. And um, it's that song we were singing, we'll never know the cost for Jesus to be on that cross. And... Um, I just want to read what Peter said about Jesus on the day of Pentecost. In Acts 2.22, in um, the Passion. Oh, by the way, this is communion if no one's got their communion, sorry. Um, Peter can, continued, people of Israel, listen to the facts. Jesus was victorious, was a man on a divine mission whose authority was clearly proven. For you know how God performed many powerful miracle signs and wonders through him. This man's destiny was prearranged for God knew that Jesus would be handed over to you to be crucified and that you would execute him on the cross but the hands of the law, by the hands of the lawless men. Yet it was all part of his determined plan. God destroyed the cords of death and raised him up because it was impossible for death's power to hold him prisoner. Um, so God had a plan. He had his destiny and um, Jesus fulfilled that plan and um, he conquered death, hell and the grave. And um, in Ephesians it says in 2.12 that we have become his poetry or poem, a recreated people that will fulfill his destiny he has given each of us and we are to join to Jesus and the anointed one even before we were born. God planned in advance our destiny and the good works we would do to fulfill it. So God's got a plan for each one of us. We've got a destiny within God and in the amplified and um, the classified it says, for we are God's own handiwork, his workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew, that we may do good works, which God predestined, planned beforehand for us, taking paths which he prepared ahead of time, that we should walk in them, living the good life, as Tim was saying, the wonderful life, which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. Isn't that wonderful? God has a plan for each one of us. And in Jesus, we have citizenship into heaven as well. We have everything. Everything Jesus done on the cross was completed, finished. That's it. And he's made a path for each one of us. So would you like to stand? And if we depend on God, make the right choices each day, then we're going to fulfill our destiny and our plan. Oh, Jesus, we just thank you for what you've done for each one of us. We thank you, Lord, that you have a plan for each one of us. You have a destiny for each one of us, Lord. And Lord, we just ask that you would guide us and lead us through that plan, through that purpose. Lord, that we will be on the right paths that you have for each one of us. Lord, we just thank you for what you've done on the cross for us. Lord, we just ask for those that are sick, Lord, that there will be healing in their bodies right now in Jesus' name. Jesus, we just thank you for all you have done, all your authority. Thank you, Lord. Let's partake.
Thank you, Jesus. In the cup of blessing, let's partake. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you. May be seated. How good. That was a good message, wasn't it? We um we haven't had a Tim golf message in a while. He's been very restrained a very long time. He's been working on that every week for years. <laughs> How good. Um, a couple of announcements for the week. Um, this is the last um if you want to call it normal, week of the school year. Uh, the following week, the kids go into uh, end-of-year presentation nights and things like that. So this is our last week of normal scheduled uh, weekly stuff for the school community. So Monday morning, there is uh, parent coffee out the front. 9 9.30 is uh, playgroup will be in here. Um, and then Tuesday, we have men's. It's not, is it men's this week or women's? Thank you. Women's at Pauline's house. Fantastic. That's Tuesday night. Uh, Wednesday night, pre-meeting uh, in here, which will be amazing. There's a few of those still to go. The church activities that we would usually have midweek will continue on. Um, for a few weeks, there is church closure over Christmas. The dates are coming up on the screen after church, so feel free to chuck that in your diary. Um, the important ones, though, let me just finish the week. I got to Wednesday, prayer meeting. Thursday, nothing this week. Women's Bible study. Prayer meeting for the school on Thursday in here, 9 o'clock. Friday is our last uh, youth event for the year. Pray for us. Um, we have families coming in. Um, so we've invited the kids' families in for dinner this week, uh, which will be good. It will be organised chaos, but it will be fun. We're having a carnival. So pray for us on Friday. Um, and that is the, the normal week that we have. A couple of additional things you need to know about. The 15th of December, save the date. It's our end of year church function. Uh, it's a Friday night. It will be here. BYO picnic dinner. We're doing dessert for you. So um, that is Friday, December 15. Um, Sunday, the 10th of December, uh, we are heading as a church to Numa Church in Melbourne, which is in Richmond. So there will be a service in the morning, which will be slightly shorter than usual. Um, a bunch of us will go up to the station, jump on a train together and head off to Melbourne. Uh, the ETA back into Bendigo Station is about 10.30, I believe. Um, so it will be a long day, but it's going to be fun. So uh, make sure you come and join us with that if you can. Uh, the other important announcement is every year at this time, we put a Christmas tree in our foyer. And this year is no different. We have put a Christmas tree in the foyer. It has name tags on it um, with ages on it. So it has 
boys or girls and and an age. It's for um, Southern Cross Kids Camp. So we're the host church for the Bendigo Camp. Um, There is 16 children out there who may not receive a Christmas gift uh, other than what Southern Cross provide for them. So they're kids that are in usually foster foster care, um, often because of abuse or neglect. Uh, and they, um, we touch base with them for a week of happy memories once a year. And we see those kids um, usually from the age of seven to ten. So we, we see them for two or three years in a row, hopefully, um, and get to impress on them the love of Jesus. So this is just one more way we can do that. So if you have capacity to do that, um, please take a name tag uh, today as you leave or a, a gift tag off the tree as you leave today um, we need those gifts back in the church building on the 15th of December so 15th is that last night that we're all having dinner together hopefully so if you can arrive at that or previous to that um, and bring your gift with you that would be sensational that gives us a week to make sure that we can get them to the kids that need them is that okay amazing who's going to the park for lunch is it raining Nah, weather's stunning. Might need a jacket. (laughs) Who's coming to the park for lunch? Great. Gail and I are at the park for lunch. Based on that, I'll buy you coffee. And they're all coming now. (laughs) Excellent. Have a great week. The Lord bless you.